Welcome to 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, our brand performance podcast, where we connect and collaborate with other self-sustaining entrepreneurs, authors, and experts. Hi, I'm Marlo Higgins, your Chief Inspirational Officer. I like to say when we perform, we get paid. This podcast focuses on the areas of confidence, mindset, leadership, and performance, which all lead to increased revenues and sales. As your Chief Inspirational Officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, talents, and self-worth, otherwise known as that self-esteem factor. People matter, self-worth matters, time matters. When it all aligns, everything works. Welcome to this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. It's our brand performance podcast. And today our guest speaker is John Hitler. And the reason I have selected John to be our guest is multiple reasons. You know, John's an expert. He's been in the business executive transformation coaching arena for quite some time. And he's also one of my comrades in the Forbes Coaches Council. So together we're somewhat aligned in that space and we get to talk with experts on a regular basis. And John is one of these people who I've had some multiple conversations with. And, you know, he's an expert on the sales, the transformation, and just a lot of things for coaching. So we talk about business and executives. I find John very fascinating. He's a TEDx speaker. He's a published author. He writes about the motivation trap. And that's where our conversation is going to go today. So John, it is a delight to have you. Thank you for being on this podcast. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I'm ha- happy to be here. Okay, so I'm going to let you take it from there. So we gave a sprinkling of an introduction about you, but where do you want to start? What would you like to do with this conversation today? Mostly my purpose in any podcast or any interview is to be of, of uh, benefit to the audience. So I'll let you lead and, and you know your audience really well. Yeah. Um, I, my wife is a physician and she's uh, may, maybe a little like you. She has diagnosed me with incurable yakositis. So I can go in any direction you'd like to go. Okay, let's take you there. So you and I have come together and you know we both have this similar conversation around motivation, right? So I'm a chief inspirational officer. I look at inspiration motivation in a probably a very different light than you do. And so let's dig into the book. You know, why did you write The Motivation Trap? What can we expect to read in that space and um, why did you, you know, why did you put it together? Let's start with that. Sure. So if I go way back, I was at the beginning of the Y movement. Um, Simon Sinek and I were colleagues, still are. And what I saw was that people were trying to find purpose and uh, what I would call hearts and fairies in their why. And what I noticed also, I coach CEOs. It's all I coach is CEOs. And they kept coming to me. And I'd say, what's your biggest challenges? And it's always on the list was, I can't figure out how to motivate, motivate my people every day. And I thought, why are you motivating people every day? What an exhausting chore to say, Marlo's not having a good day. Go in there and pump her up a little bit. That, that's not my job. If you're the CEO investing your time every day to keep your people motivated, you are probably losing money because that's not you don't have time to do that, especially on a micro level. And so I, I got it so often from a CEO that as, as one of their big struggles. And of course, they were all overworked. They were all overworked. And I thought, well, what if you dropped all that motivation stuff and had people that showed up and said, we know why we're here uh, as a, corporately. Like we, we know what our mission is. We're excited to work on it. And oh, by the way, my personal why or purpose or uh, reason to roam the planet aligns pretty well with that. Even though I could be hearts and fairies and you could be guns and knives, 
we could still align to one purpose and say, Marlo goes at it with guns and knives. She's a fighter. And John goes at it with hearts and fairies. And you know what? They both can roll up to the same corporate purpose and work together. Why is the CEO motivating them? So that's why I wrote the book. I, I wrote, wrote it as a, the first chapter is a quick indictment of, of motivation and kind of what I just said. And then after that, it gives the purpose for motivation, where motivation works really well, how it works really well, and essentially shows motivation as a handoff to something more sustainable. Motivation pilot light and then hand off to something that'll actually work. And this is where the conversation is going to get fun because this is what I know. So I always say, and this is from what my research and study of high performers, very similar and in sync with you, is um, I always say, you know, inspiration is vision driven. Motivation is goal driven. So if somebody comes to me and says, Marla, you know what? I need to be motivated. Just like those CEOs are saying, I need to motivate my team. We need to anchor it in the goal. And I think so many people have that missing link. They don't understand that to inspire, that's the possibility. That's the what if. Like just imagine if by the end of the year, we kick some ass and we got our goals accomplished, right? So motivation is that, that anchor in the goal. And that's really, really important. So as you hear that, John, like, give me your insight into how I'm explaining that and your vision of what I'm sharing. It's great. It's, uh, it may be a little bit of mat- a matter of semantics, but I, probably a little semantics and a little bit of directional differences. Because some people, do, if I'm hearts and fairies, I don't want to kick ass because kick ass sounds too aggressive for me. And this is, this is one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of it one of the places we go to is celebration. So if the team purpose, goal, top three objectives for the year, we don't use we don't use goals, we don't use objectives because, well, let's, we just passed the first year. We're in a new decade, we're in a new year. I can't tell you how many people said, here's my goals for the year. I want to lose 20 pounds. You know what? I bet that was on your goal last year. Did you accomplish it? No, because it looks like no fun. It looks like grinding it out. It looks like lonely days at the gym, wandering around, not knowing what to do. It looks like giving up stuff. It won't inspire anyone. So we go, what we do is we flip anything, any goal or objective, we flip it to celebratory. So they say, we want to have our best year ever. Okay, but that's kind of a Hallmark card. Uh, We say, good. What would be your best year ever that you would celebrate? And they say, oh, if we we hit 10 million this year. What do you got now? We're at 7.2. We've never done more than 20% growth. If we hit 10 million, I say we have a huge celebration. You say, would it be celebratory? And everybody goes, yeah. Well, now we're, now we're talking because now it's not, a, it's not a sales target that has been imposed on me as a great goal. And I say, we'll never hit that. Oh, I don't want to do it. It just looks like hard work. So we, we tie everything to celebration. And what we find is people opt in and opt out almost immediately. The people that say, we can't hit 10 million. It, it shows up in their face in the first 30 days, but really? We don't leave that first meeting until everybody signed off or opted out, either one, because every once in a while you lose somebody, totally fine with that. It's not my job to try to get everybody to opt in. It's to find out who's going to play. And if it's celebratory, great. So when you describe that, I'm hearing that's more of an inspirational piece, right? Very inspired if we could have a $10 million year. And so it's really, you know, you look at that, like, and I love that conversation of celebration. And that's why I find this so interesting because there are different ways to look at this, right? And I think keeping that inspiration 
alive that like that vision of what's possible and that's what you're describing. Yeah, you're at 7 million, right? That's a goal that has been set and we've reached. But just imagine if we were to hit 10 million. How would that conversation what would the what would look different for all of us? And we start with imagine and then I force them to speak in the present tense. I like imagine sounds like that's a fairy tale. So we'll start with that and say, well what would it be? Would it be 12? And they they all kind of zone out and you go, that's too big. Okay, good. Would it be 8? I go no, that's what that's what the VP of sales says we have to do is eight. You say, good, so it's somewhere between eight and 12. They come up with 10, and the first thing we do is we say, okay, it's December 20th, and we're having, we're high-fiving, we're playing, I want to roll, you roll the tape for me, you guys, and we even pantomime it. We'll say, you guys are at the celebration thing. What are you What are you doing? Who's, who's there? And they say, you know what? We're going to have all our best customers. Well, they've never done that before. So now they're even thinking differently just in verbalizing the goal because now it's a celebration. And they go, I'd love to have our year-end event something other than we get drunk and act a fool. Oh, yeah. What if we had our best customers and we celebrated like we partnered with them? We say, already they're transforming how they're working together because now it's no longer grinding out losing 20 pounds. It's we're reinventing how we take care of customers because we can't go from seven to 10, which we've never done in growth terms by doing more or harder because that's just not fun. And, and this is how we play this. And so we get out of motivation. People say, like you say, inspired might be good. We like to tie a purpose to it. They say, good, if you guys hit 10 million, how much extra profit will you have? And they said, our profit margin is currently 28%. We have an extra... Five and a half, we'd have $600,000 in additional net profit. Okay, how much would you like to bonus? And who would you like to take care of with that outside of the company to say, and now they take on a cause. Oh, now we're purpose and you throw the motivation away because people are linked to it. Well, you're tagging them into a feeling, right? When we're inspired to feel a certain way, that gets your fire in the belly. It really does. And, you know, we have to get people to do that for themselves. And so passing that torch, but it's, it's how you do it. It's how you communicate that. And like you said, you're taking the feeling-based approach to maybe how do I want to feel around this? And I'm going to feel very inspired when we have that $10 million happening. And this is what our party's going to feel like. This is what the goal is going to feel like. This is what it's going to be like to weigh that much. Everything is based on that feeling component. And Chasing the goal is actually chasing the feeling that the goal gets you. Well, because now the journey is fun. Whether we hit 9.7 and we still had our best year ever and we don't quite hit 10, it's so much more fun chasing 10 because we would do it anyhow than it is to say, I'm going to get up at 5.30 every day and go to the gym so I can lose my 20 pounds. I've been going for four months. I'm only down one pound. That doesn't sound like fun. And chasing it is a grind. And that's what happens with we used a sales team example, but this is what happens with companies because they do goals and goals make sense. We even call, well, we want smart goals. Well, goals make really good prefrontal neocortex, logical, analytical sense. And they, and they inspire everybody for about a day or two until the reality hits in and they say, how the hell are we going to go from seven to 10? We don't even have any decent leads. They get really lost in the weeds on it instead of saying, we have to be, I don't know how we're going to do this. We've never done it this way before. And they start reinventing because, like you say, it's uh, you can call it inspired. I like purpose, but it's the same direction. And it's way more functional for teams and individuals, whether you're losing weight or whether you're hitting a sales target or whether you're first time ever breaking through a platform. If the journey and the process 
is I also like an element of challenge because why would you do something that, you know, why wouldn't you run a half marathon or marathon if you've only ever run a 10 K because running a 10 K have already done it three times. You're not going to, you're not going to become anybody different. You just say, oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to train for about a month. I'm going to have to do some Saturday runs and then I'll be ready for the 10 K because you've done it 10 times. Oh, is it time to step up for, for a half marathon? I can't do a half marathon. Really? What if, what if you did it for your favorite cause? Oh, you mean like this cancer research or children's leukemia or what? Yeah. What if you were the guy that uh, were the chief fundraiser? What, how much money would you have to raise? Now we're not talking about running at all. They say, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to raise $10,000 with my colleagues and whatnot for whatever my cause is. Now you'll run, you'll run through a brick wall. you run a marathon if you have to. And worst case, you walk half the, half the, because now you're doing it for a purpose and the training looks like completely differently than grinding it out. Anchored in a completely different way. It's completely anchored in a different way. And that's why I think this conversation is so enlightening for you and I is because that's why I'm a chief inspirational officer. I stay in that inspiration side, that challenge of like what's possible versus the motivation, which is the heavy side of it. It's the goal setting. I don't think it's so much that it's heavy. It's that it's ineffective and nobody knows what else to call it. The other piece, and I found this, and I don't mean to indict anybody, but I work in teams and they pander to, they make it stereotypical. Well, the Gen Xers or the Gen... The Gen Z guys want to feel purpose and motivation. Want to, they, if they quit every 90 days anyhow, why are you catering to them? You want, you want people that say, I like to play. Personally, uh, there's a couple of companies that I work with that only work with somebody that's done something, you know, like they took a, a year off and worked overseas or they were a scholarship athlete or something where you say, athletics will force you to become more of who you are and, and you're going to hit walls. You're just not going to always be the star player and the training is easy and good. You're going to also lose. That's good. It's good that you've dealt with that. And when you have, when, when the first job out of school is their first real one and they say, I'm not feeling it today. You say, too bad for you. <laughs> it's like, get over yourself. Our company isn't about how you feel today when you got up at 1030 to come to work. Yeah, we're not, we're not catering to you. We're going 10 million. Are you, are you going to play or not? Are you going to help or not? Because if not, get the hell out of the way. And, and I find as rough as that might sound, it's much more effective because it forces people to say, they seem to be having fun and they're, they're working really hard and they're staying late and they're having fun. Yeah. Well, do you want to, this, it comes down to, do you want to play or not? And then the conversation is pack your own motivation, <laughs> pack your own purpose, put it in your lunchbox or your backpack. We're not supplying that. We're not in charge of that. We, we have it as a group and we'll do it in our check-ins. We'll, we can reinforce it. We can anchor it in our meetings. We can celebrate. We can encourage. We can nurture. All those things that are much more limbic brain, feeling brain. Well, if you come up, you know, if we invent something called the idea of the week and there's a little, I've got a couple of worthless trophies. I'm in masterminds. We have worthless trophies. I mean, literally, we can buy them on Amazon. They're 12 for 10 bucks. And they're generic. They're like, one's like a 3D plastic star. And it's got to, well, they're 12 for 10, they're 75 cents a piece. But to earn one of those, you get to keep it on your desk that you had the idea of the week. People start playing because it's rooted in contribution, in teamwork, in, you can, you can have them for all kinds of things. You can only nominate someone else. So I can't nominate yourself and say, I had a great idea. Pick me, pick me. I can, only my peers can. So if I'm a ball hog, you start changing the culture and people say, it's way more fun to work around here. Yes, because we can't 
be the same people and go from seven to 10 if we've never done more than a 15% increase. We can go from seven to eight and a half or whatever it is, maybe, and it's going to be the same grind as it was last year. Well, if we want to go seven to 10, we got to change things. And the changes don't cost any money. It's, it's way more fun. And the CEOs have a lot more fun too because they stop babysitting people. Right. So as you're describing that, tell us, how do you get that anchor? Like, how do you get people to see that? I mean, I think that's a catalyst before we, we move the conversation about your TEDx, you know, take us to that space and let's, let's finish that up. Like, how do you get them into that? So how we do it is, and it's the, it's the second book. It's funny. It comes out in April. We don't need to talk about that much, but we anchor everybody in what we call genius talent. So you have in your DNA, you're the only person in the history of humanity, not just the history of the people walking on the planet. People say, wow, some 1.7, 1 in 7.8 billion. No, DNA means it's one in the history of humanity. You were one in 50 billion, however many people have roamed the planet. You, our theory is you have a talent that no one else has ever had. Wow. So you have a talent and you figured out how to you, uh, do it because if you had it, you intuitively, this is the nurture part, you were given, which is nature, you nurtured how to figure it out and how to deliver it. And then we attach your simple statement of belief or what people would call a why, which is the rocket fuel for the whole thing. We make sure every person on the team knows theirs. And here's why. It's then easy to roll up to the to the team one because we can do a team one as well. We say, oh, you guys, when you guys play as a team and then we swap out Marlo and put in John or swap out John and put in Marlo, it changes a little because we just changed like, you know, like a sports team. Oh, you get a new second baseman. It's a different team. The team is this, but it's, they play a little different. What is that? Oh, it's easy then for people to opt in or opt out. And they say, I'm hearts and fairies or your guns and knives. Maybe this is not the best place for me. I love what they're doing, but I should go find a hearts and fairies place to play because I'm more hearts and fairies. And there are places like that. And then it's super obvious. You could put a gun to people's head or give them a million dollars in cash if they tell you their genius talent. Nobody knows what it is. They say, well, they think it's... I took a test. I think I'm like a maximizer. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, you and you and one uh, one twelfth of the planet because that's one of twelve options you can get on that test. And you say, yeah, okay, maximizer doesn't mean anything. What do you, maximizer? What like weight? You're the maximum weight, uh, brain power. Or what what is maximizer? I don't know what that is. It's uh, so we figure what out what that is for every person, and then we then one of the things we do we have fun with it on five by eight. You know, like old kitchen index cards like your mom had from recipe box, we write down every job, not job description, but every job, like organize the holiday party. That's one job that somebody has to do. And we just stick them all up on the wall and we type out all the genius talents in the same font. So you can't tell whose name is whose. And then we say, reorganize the cards underneath the talent. Well, instead of the CEO's admin running the holiday party and having being Boring catering, right. boring DJ, and a lot of alcohol, and no theme other than a couple of gift baskets or raffles. It's the same party it's been every year because that person's not intuitively wired to do a great party. This this talent looks like we'd have a blast if they organized. <laughs> Who is that? They say that's the jan that's the night janitor. We've never met him. Oh, have him organize a holiday party because we're going to have way more fun. You start organizing things based on talent, and then nobody cares that you're the director of sales. If I'm the best person to go in when there's an upset customer because my talent works really well in that situation, but I'm not very good in a contentious no, uh, negotiation, don't send me because it's my job. Send somebody that's much better in a contentious. You might be better in a contentious negotiation. I might be better with an upset customer. 
and who cares? Because we get to 10 million, we say, and then we slap high fives. We say, I borrowed somebody from marketing for this call, and I just put them on the call with me as if as if they were a guest, but I let them run the call because they were 10, and, and they started doing that. And that's how we do it. And companies say, we're having way more fun. You say, that's because you're putting in a specialist in a, in a game. You know, it's no different than the sports team. You say, we need a specialist that can do this. You say, good, call that per- substitute and put that person in. And good teams know that, and they're, they're built that way. They say, we need a backup second baseman. So, and they have to be really good at defense. They have to be able to get on base or, uh, you know, whatever it is. And you say, okay, if Marlowe's our backup second baseman, you know that role and love it and fit really well. And it rolls right up to the company purpose. We like to do it that way. It's just a different way of doing it. It's organizing based on talent and a celebratory goal. It lines everybody up or opts them out. People kind of see and say, we don't kick anybody out. But people say, I don't know that I fit here. Then it's just a good conversation. They're not saying I'm not motivated. They just say, I don't know, I don't know if I'm the right fit for this. And they they start the conversation instead of HR saying, We're gonna put you on a performance plan. <sighs> Again, drudgery and misery. Nobody wants that. Well, you're you're removing the resistance is really what you're describing. So you're you're all of those resistance pieces are, you know, being put to the wayside and people are just showing up super light, very expansive, full of potential. And that is when you get things done. That's how you get a high performing team to connect. I don't care if you help me with my role for a half day. I borrow you and then you say, my pleasure, because you love doing your genius talent and I love Right. Great. And you borrow me once a year or twice a year or once a quarter or great. And nobody cares because we're both focused on winning the championship, which is 10 million. We're not worried about who gets credit. You say that's where we're slapping five high fives on the December 20th party. We say, yep, that's that's the fun part is you say it was so awesome when the when the high school intern figured this out and no one else has been able to figure it out for five years. And everybody says "That, that kid's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and they're at the holiday party too. They can't drink, but they're at the holiday party too. Everybody's <laughs> five and five, and they get an award for being a key player. And say, isn't that fun? Yeah, synergy, Every, synergy. For everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think people that are listening to this episode are really connecting the dots and different layers. And it's very fascinating. I think we need to be shown multiple ways of how we approach it. And that's really what, what we're describing. Okay, so as we're coming into the close of the podcast, John, where can we find you? Like, what's a website? How can we add you to our circle of influence? Here's the easiest thing. I was fortunate enough to have the world's worst last name in the history of humanity. So there's on SEO, there's nobody. If you Google Hitler, now it's two T's, but if you Google Hitler, I've got the top 50 spots and I've never paid a dime for SEO because nobody would say, well, you know what? I want to take over the top spot on that. <laughs> so uh, you do that and you can find anything, everything from TED Talks to our company website to my personal social media. It's all, that's the easiest. Instead of trying to remember the company name, which is fun too, you could Google that, but you get, then you got to remember that. People don't walk out of a, a networking thing with me and say, I'm not this guy. I can't remember his last name. Never do they do that. So, <laughs> uh, it's it's one of the it's one of the unintended gifts of a dirt sandwich that I was given in my life. is a is a terrible name in fourth grade becomes a kind of an advantage later on. So that's the easiest that's the easiest way to, for people to find me. And so I'm going to do a very small blatant plug, and that is the Genius Talent Discovery. We finally made it accessible for anybody online. That launch is April 13th because one of the things we realized was we could only do it one-on-one until now and we've been doing it for 13 years. And 
somebody finally said, you got to get this out so that the whole world can do it. And we couldn't quite figure out how to do it. And we did. And it goes online now and people can do it for free. Is it an assessment that we can take to find out? It's a very rich framed conversation because if you knew what yours was and you just had to find it, it'd be easy. But people find it in the conversation that if you don't know what you're looking for, how would you know you found the right thing? If you find guns and knives and say, I don't think I'm guns and knives. I don't know if I got the right thing. You have to have the benefit of other people. You can't do it by themselves. And that's the biggest thing. People say, I just want to be able to dig in and do it myself and say, if you could see past your blind spots, you could do it that way. You can't. And that's been the blocker. We've had to have another person on the call. And people say, well, now it's now it slows it all down. Well, now we figured out a way to do it. So you're doing it with other people. And it's fun, interactive, and you'll, you get a result. It's like, uh, and you can't screw the result. The benefit is you're doing it with people that don't know you. So they have no dog in the fight. They don't care if it's, if it's hearts and fairies or guns and knives because they wouldn't know anyhow. So they just run the process and say, let's see what pops out. And the process is a conversation. It's just, a, it's just an enriched, framed conversation. If you follow along, even rookies can do it. And that was the big breakthrough for us was we can get people that have never done it before to do it together and get a great result. Okay. I think people are tantalized now and they're curious and we'll put it in the show notes. They'll be able to click the link and um, participate. Yeah, it's April 13th and, and we're, we're just thrilled that people can finally do it. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you so much. If this podcast left you feeling inspired, you can join us over in the Perform and Get Paid Facebook community where we're going to engage with you, connect and keep the conversation alive. You can also visit marlohiggins.com where you can see our blog. You can take the Maverick assessment and uh, you can learn more about your chief inspirational officer. Thank you, John. This was a just a blast hosting this with you and uh, look forward to future opportunities. Well, thanks for you doing what you do. It's uh, The world needs inspiration. Doesn't need motivation, needs inspiration. There you go. All right, my friend. Thank you. As your chief inspirational officer, I coach executives to gain clarity and remove self-doubt to increase performance in sales. To book a complimentary coaching session with me, simply visit marlohiggins.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a call. Did you like this podcast? If so, subscribe and share with all of your friends. And if you want even more awesome resources to gain clarity and remove self-doubt, plus some personal insights from me that I only share in email, get yourself over to marlohiggins.com and sign up for the email updates. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. If you're into it, subscribe, leave a review and tell all of your friends. We would sure appreciate it.